Hi, and welcome back to the Mindful Sport Performance Podcast. I'm Dr. Keith Kaufman. I'm Dr. Tim Pinot. And we are very, very excited to be joined today by Natasha Hastings. Uh, Natasha Hastings is a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a world and U.S. national champion track and field sprinter. She specializes in the 400 and the 4x400-meter relay events. She was born and raised in New York City, and Natasha started running at the age of nine, while at A. Philip Randolph Campus High School, Natasha won the 2003 USATF Junior Nationals and the IAAF World Youth Championships in the 400 meters. Uh, just as an aside, I saw just this week, Natasha has um, become an ambassador for Athletes for Hope, for Athlete for Hope's uh, mental health program. Um, and, and you had posted, Natasha, that you're doing that in an effort to help end the stigma of mental health in and out of sports. So uh, certainly a, an organization and a cause that's near and dear to our hearts. So that's wonderful. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm excited, uh, nervous and excited, but all good things. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me as well. Of course. Yeah, we're thrilled. We are absolutely thrilled. Yes. And so as we often do, we'll, we'll start our, uh, our episode today with just a brief, uh, brief mindfulness practice, and then we'll kind of flow into our, our interview. Um, so I'll lead the practice today. Uh, and so if everyone wants to just kind of find a quiet space, and of course, if you're listening to this, maybe you're listening while you're driving and, and closing your eyes is not available, maybe do this a little bit later. Um, make sure you're in a kind of a, a place that feels safe and comfortable because I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes. You can really tune in to what your body feels like. I encourage everyone to take a seat somewhere with your feet flat on the ground. Once you're there, you let your eyes close. Take a moment to tune in to the pressure on both of your sits bones. I want to invite in the feeling of centeredness and the experience of how much more we can let go and relax when we're centered. But first, of course, we need to find center sitting in your chair with both sit bones still on the seat, gently lean to the left. Lean maybe 20, 30 degrees. Feel the pressure increase on the left sit bone. Feel the obliques begin to engage on both sides of the body. And now with full awareness, across this same plane, sit back up straight and then lean to the right. Notice what feels similar, what feels different. That engagement in the obliques, perhaps a little tension arising in the right hip flexor. Feel the extra effort it takes to lean. 
And now rising back, see if you can find center. The position of your body where those obliques don't have to engage as much. And now we'll do the same, but forward and back. Let your body lean forward 20, 30 degrees. You can likely really feel the engagement of your hip flexors as they hold you up. Some tension arising in your lower and mid back. And with full awareness, sitting up and now leaning back. You might feel more tension in your hip flexors, perhaps in a slightly different way. You can feel your core begin to engage. You can feel the effort involved in leaning, being off center. And now back to center, let your body rise up, spine tall as if there's a string attached to the very top of your head, pulling you upward. Tuning back into the sits bones, feeling even pressure. And now having experienced the effort involved in being off center, just watch sitting in this centered way, how the abdomen can start to relax. The hip flexors can let go. Perhaps tension that had developed in the quads and hamstrings can start to be released. Feel how much easier it is to be centered. Take a few deep breaths in this centered space. And when you feel ready, you can open your eyes. Thanks, Tim, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, uh, Natasha, you kind of inspired that uh, as I was doing yeah. a little research, wanted to kind of learn more, more about you before our interview. I watched this great um, clip. You uh, um, Not like a commercial exactly, but it was like a, a video. It's on your website that you did in conjunction with Under, Under Armour. Um, mm -hmm. And you talk about your visualization practice a little bit, your touch on it and how you, you know, you talked about things like you know, wanting to know what your toes on the blocks felt like and, and the, the feeling of your arms and just that attunement with the body. And I just loved that so much. And, um, and I'll often start a meditation by just kind of like doing this tilt forward and back left and right. So I can find that sense of centeredness, but I was like, oh yeah, let's like, really, I want to make that very explicit, like that attunement to body. Um, Cause it seems like it's an important part of your mental practice. It is, it is for sure. Yeah, I, I say that those mental repetitions are just as important as the physical repetitions. Um, in fact, I think they connect more by doing so. 
um, I was having a conversation yesterday saying that I, working hard is not, not an issue, but when you can get the mind to connect with the body and what the body's doing, it takes the performance to another level. Yeah. I mean, that, that's such a great point. And, and actually one of the big things I wanted to ask you about, you're, you're obviously a, a very successful athlete and, and I wondered kind of how you learn to do that or how you practice doing that, because I imagine that must've been an important skill for you along the way. Yeah. Part of me wants to say some of it is innate because some of it is like you're taught, right? I would say that I probably had the first experience with it, um, probably with uh, the psychiatrist I saw in college. I didn't get any medication, but he was my counselor, mm. um, sports psychiatrist here at the university um, where we practiced a little bit of meditation. But it's also kind of like anything where like you start doing a thing and then once you get comfortable with it, you kind of go where you feel comfortable or where you feel guided or where you're led to go. Um, so I think having that intro um, definitely throughout my career, I've, you know, been in different settings where we've practiced um, different kinds of meditation and mindfulness. Um, I have a spiritual advisor, Kathy, that like she will make me sit still for like an hour, which is hard. (laughs) But, you know, she would just kind of like call me and be like, I just feel like stuff is going on. I just need you to sit still. And, you know, we sit and pray and talk. But, you know, um, yeah, I would say I've, I've definitely had, I'm sorry, I see jelly on my couch out of the corner of my eye. Um, <laughs> Talk about being mindful, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no child to Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I've definitely had some guides along the way. Um, but then you just kind of make it your own. You take it to be your own thing. And um, obviously in sport, you know, I've been taught about visualization. Um, but then I think I kind of made the visualization process a little bit more spiritual or centering, if you will. Even sometimes I would walk the track barefoot to kind of ground yeah. with the track. So I love that. Yeah. And just a couple of things that you're saying just like resonate so much. I mean, certainly the idea of making your own, that's so important to us when we, uh, well, when I'm working with a team or with an athlete and trying to teach them about mindfulness and how to meditate, it's like, I don't want them to just take this package and do exactly what I say. Like it's got to resonate with them. Um, it's got to fit their sport, their performance, their lifestyle. Some people are going to want to take it in a spiritual direction. Some people aren't going to want to do that. Some people, uh, really like more active meditation. Some people, can, can really get behind the stillness. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I, I, like, that's such an important message to be able to take these kinds of trainings and, and yeah, embrace them and, and, and be creative with them. Um, yeah. I think that's connected maybe to something that you said, like in the beginning of your answer, like maybe a piece of this was kind of innate. Um, and I, I felt that I was a rower in high school and college and coached for a while after college. And, and, and when I look back on my rowing career, I think about some of the mental things that I was doing. I got no mental training, you know, but I look back at it. Some of it was mindfulness about, you know, letting go and intentionally telling myself, like when I push off the dock, like I can't be thinking about a paper I need to write or an exam I'm going to take. Like all I can do is be here rowing. Right. Yeah. Oh, that was mindfulness. And that kind of just came naturally. And it, in some ways it kind of makes me feel 
feel some some empathy, some compassion, feel badly in some way, I guess, for the people who didn't have that innate skill and didn't get the training, you know, and yeah. all the athletes who could have been so successful if they had just gotten a little more support and yeah. weren't just expected to be able to like innately kind of get it. Yeah. And it's, I think it's especially tough as athletes because um, there is this, of course, we want to do well. We're great at what we do. And sometimes when we bump into something that's new or we don't really feel that confident in, um, it's kind of hard to take on that challenge, right? Where it's like, this is new. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm doing it right. And honestly, something that just came to me as we're sitting here, because I am um, currently in what we call block week. So I'm um, in graduate school. I'm starting my second year of um my counseling program. So I'm transitioning into clinical mental health, wanting to go into sports psych. Um, so I'm doing my internship with the athletic department here, um, mental health and performance in the athletic department. But we recently um, did a training in motivational interviewing. And then the um, lecturer gave a kind of demonstration, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stuck out to me that I feel like is now so true is that, you know, she was a ball of energy, full of life the whole time she was presenting. And then when she did the demonstration, she was the same person. Right. And I said, um, you know, I really appreciated that you really took yourself into the session because as someone who is transitioning from athlete to um, counselor, you kind of have this idea of like, okay, I've got to be buttoned up. I've got to be professional. I'm not the athlete anymore. Now I'm a counselor. Uh, but I was like, I really appreciated you bringing your authentic, authentic self to the session. And everyone, of course, there were other doctors and, um, you know, certified counselors in there. And they all like affirmed, like, yes, you want to bring your true and authentic self into the session. And as I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's the same thing with meditation and mindfulness. You know, you can be your true and authentic self and it doesn't have to be um, the cookie cutter or what someone else, you know, you're presented a thing, you're taught a thing, you're learned a thing, um, but then you make it your own and you bring yourself and what resonates with you to that experience. Um, so I just, I don't know, just sitting here, I was like, oh, that's, that's, it's again, Sit in your authentic self, bring your authentic self. Yeah, authenticity. It's so powerful, <laughs> but, but so scary, right? Mm -hmm. Very I'm, scary. I know for me, right? You know, you put on these, I love being a therapist, but in part it's because there's these boundaries and I can like put on a persona and it's taken me many years to feel like, to figure out like, oh no, it really is about authenticity. And some people, it's not gonna be a good thing for some people. <laughs> there goes my authenticity, my kids. Yeah. It goes everywhere with me. I'll mute. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, I know, to be honest, I think it was for me having, having a child and, and getting, I mean, your life just gets so busy and so full. And it's like, I didn't have the energy to put on the face anymore. It's like, I can only just be authentic now <laughs> and everyone else is just going to have to deal with it. And it was so liberating, you know? Yeah, becoming a parent changes you in a way that um, <laughs> I did not expect and the type of mother that I am. And um, of course, excuse me, um, some of being a mom was a huge part of me. Like I had my own experiences with um, mental health and sports psychologists. 
Um, but now being a mom and seeing some things in myself and things that I want to change and what I want to do differently for him. Um, yeah, parenting is very challenging <laughs> in a number of ways. Speaking of being authentically yourself, right? Um, another piece where it's like, it's so much of me, um, but then also wanting to hold on desperately to who I was before, right? But now getting into a space of like, okay, it's a part of me and it's okay to embrace that part of me because it still makes the whole Natasha. Um, but it took a while for me to get to that place. And I mean, I guess for some, it's still fairly new. Um, my son just turned three this past weekend, but it's a struggle because I, I believe I'm raising my son to grow up and leave me one day. And so with that in mind, I can't forget about me. So that's a bit of like, you know, me being in school and going after my second passion now. Um, and just having that in mind that, you know, even thankfully what I'm choosing will hopefully make me a better parent too. So, yeah. Well, I imagine you must have learned a long time ago the importance of balance, right? Trying to, like, I like how you said the whole Natasha, right? You must feel pulled in a lot of different directions and that must uh, be nothing new for you, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't really like the word balance because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but what I do is I give myself grace. Um, and I, I'm, I'm true to, you know, some days I'm going to be a great athlete and I might not show up the way that I would want to as a parent to Liam. Some days I'm an awesome student and maybe training didn't go as well as I wanted it to that day. But, you know, I give myself the grace that, you know, in everything I show up as best I can that day and tomorrow's another day to try again. Um, but that word balance, I gave up on it. <laughs> I just did. Well, you know, I, there's so much self-compassion in what you're saying, which I just love. I mean, I think it's, we're like in an epidemic of self-criticism and, and yeah. it's like so few people I feel like are able to embrace exactly what you're just saying, giving yourself some grace and some flexibility, which and I mean, I guess not to quibble about semantics, but like that to me feels like balance, right? Because like it's about letting go of the idea that having balance will make everything perfect. Ooh, and I'm a recovering perfectionist patty. So there, there you have it. <laughs> and I think that's what people, especially, you, you know, when they're, when they're in crisis and they come to something like mindfulness, and they're like, ah, this is going to solve my problems. This is going to make my anxiety go away, or this is going to allow me to attain perfect balance or whatever. And like, no, no, no. That's actually not what it's about. It is about meeting reality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and balance is actually something much different than our perfectionist brain was initially thinking it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. That reminds me that um, last week I came up on something and I came up on it right before my therapy session. And um, so I got into therapy and I'm like, I'm having this reaction, but I feel like, like, why am I having this reaction? I feel like, like, this should be it. And my therapist was like, um you don't come to therapy to stop feeling. You're going to continue to feel, but we're working on the tools for you to get through those feelings. And I was like, oh, and that's what mindfulness is. Like you said, like we hit realities (laughs) and you're going to need to take a moment to center yourself. Wait a minute. I'm having a feeling here. What is this feeling? That was a big thing for me. Like, what am I even feeling? what is this feeling now? How can I give myself what I need in this moment? 
Am I using my voice? Am I acknowledging the voice that I'm even hearing or am I trying to ignore it and push it down? Um, So you're right. Recovering (laughs) from my perfectionism. (laughs) Finding the balance of life is going to life. But then grace is a great word too. I think grace is a wonderful yes. word too. I yeah, not, nothing wrong with that. Oh, and it, it, I mean, I'm just loving your your openness right now and how how much insight you have into yourself. And it, it makes me so curious. You know, referring to yourself as this recovering perfectionist, Patty. Like, I mean, thinking about the trajectory of your career. You know, you won your first Olympic gold in 2008, and then again in 2016. I mean, that's just that just blows my mind that you could be at the yeah. top. Uh, for so long. And, and I guess part of my question is like, you know, when you look back at 2008 versus 2016, you know, what were you doing differently from this mental perspective? Was there like more self-compassion or more insight or like, yeah, I'm curious about that evolution. 2016, I was definitely far more emotionally mature and present. Um, 2008, I was very much so caught up in like, I'm 22. I was number one in the world when I came out of college. Like there's all this expectation, super focused. Like the only thing that I remember from 2008 was the opening ceremony, running my leg and Usain Bolt breaking the world record. Like, I don't know anything else that happened in Beijing. Um, And when I went to Rio, I made the conscious choice of you're going to experience this, right? you're going to be present and be in the moment. There was even a time I was like 25 or 26. I think I was 26 and I had to get a new passport and I had to get a new passport, not because it expired, but because I didn't have any more pages left, but I'm (laughs) thumbing through and I'm like, man, I've been to all these places and I have no idea anything about where I went because I get over there, get in the hotel room. I'm super focused on, competing i need to rest i need to do all these things and it's like man like okay that's nice but there's so much more to life than running around in a circle um so i did kind of embark on this journey of like being more present taking all of the things in i'm i'm you know i'm very expressive about you know track is great track you know gave me an education, paid for my education. It's paying for it now again. Um, I traveled around the world. I've made all my great friends from track, but what's that without experiencing those things, without taking the time to, you know, taking the moment with my teammates, taking the moment with my family, like standing on the podium and looking at my family and taking in the moment that the journey to get here, <laughs> the sacrifice, the pain, the injuries, the tears, all the things, um, I can remember those things now. And and those are things that I will carry with me and one day tell my son. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're at the beginning of my career. I don't remember a thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. When I wonder too, like even even since then, now you're you're obviously, you know, in training yourself to become a mental health provider. As I mentioned at the start, you've become this ambassador for Athletes for Hope. And how has that continued to evolve now in your career? You know, it's interesting because I hadn't thought about this, but my supervisor actually said something to me yesterday or day before yesterday where she said, you know, I wonder how much your experience with therapy is going to shape your experience as a therapist. And I was like, 
you know, because I've always heard just about every one of my professors have all said, you know, you guys know, self-care, self-care, self-care. <laughs> You're taking on the problems of your clients. Make sure you leave the space to take care of yourself. Good therapists have therapists. But it was something about her um, posing the question to me that way where, you know, I had to sit back and I'm like, huh, yeah, like my therapist, she tried to break up with me a couple weeks ago. And I was like, no, no, it's not happening. Don't even <laughs> let's not. You know, and so it makes me think, you know, of course, you know, the idea is to give our clients the tools to go on in life and do the things that we teach them on their own and to, you know, face their realities with the tools. Right. But the feeling, the sense of empowerment that I have with my therapist and when I leave and, you know, even when I'm going through life and something comes up and I'm like, okay. We practice this. We said when this shows up, this is what we do. And we go through, that's what I want to be to the next athlete. Um, and, you know, I had a, an episode the other day <laughs> where, again, talking about showing up, how how are we going to show up, right? Um, we went to meet the all of the athletic teams on campus, um, you know, meet the coaches, athletes these are new interns we're all here for you da 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 uh, one of the volleyball coaches is a she was playing at carolina same time that i was running here so we're we're friends and so we're going through the thing and she's like i'm sorry i just have to introduce i you guys have to know who this is and so she you know says i'm natasha blah 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 i i turned completely red because I'm just not that person. Like I don't walk around like, yeah, I have this and that and whatever. And so again, talking to my supervisor, I said, you know, I wonder how that is going to um, affect me as a therapist. And she, she had already kind of thought about it, but she wanted me to, um, you know, expand on it. And I said, you know, athletes is my, are, are my like uh, passion athletes women of color like athletes of color that's I just love athletes that's that's who I am right and um you know I don't want a session to be about me I want the session to be about who's sitting across from me what it is that we're working on what it is that they need from me but I don't want those things to become a distraction and I also am working outside of all of this stuff, working on being more embracing of like, yeah, you did some cool shit. Be proud of that, you know? But, you know, there's gotta be a balance of like, you know, bringing my authentic thing, my authentic self, but some things, you know, it's based on how much is this helpful for the client. Mm -hmm. And uh, my supervisor said, you know, I noticed that when you were introduced the other day, how the girls, their eyes just, they were so wide-eyed and everyone was so like, you know, oh my gosh. Um, I wondered, you know, is this, could that be a hindrance in some of your therapy work? And, you know, that's something for me to think about. I don't know. And I'll, I'll figure it out as I experience and practice and, you know, figure out where it's important um, or useful for me to disclose those things, if you will. But um, yeah, I think about all of that in terms of I really want my I want my clients I don't even like the word clients but I want my athletes to leave the room feeling like 
they got what they need. It's about them. They can go out and perform at their highest self and perform at their highest self on the field, track, whatever it is, and in life. Um, that's another thing I don't, you come into my office, you're not the athlete. That was another thing that I had to figure out as the athlete, that I'm so much more than the sport. And once I had that awareness, um, it just showed up in, in every aspect of my life too. Um, and so again, just talking about whole Natasha, I want to see the whole person before me. Um, so that was a mouthful, but <laughs> oh, it's brilliant though. It's... As a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist, Patty, like, you know, <laughs> how am I going to step into this, this new role and be effective, but essentially, you know, give athletes the tools that I feel like were beyond helpful for me to perform at the highest level and, you know, to see athletes go on and perform even higher levels. What a great question too about, because I was actually thinking, you know, your experiences, your status in your sport, like would that add to buy-in that you could have as a sports psychologist that you would immediately have an athlete's attention. It's like, okay, here's someone who's experienced this, who has achieved something that I, maybe that's something I want to achieve as well, right? Winning a gold medal. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it is so interesting to think about all sides and it goes back to this idea we were talking about before about authenticity, you know, how, how you authentically show up, but how you, how you find that, sorry, I'm going to use this word again, this balance, I guess in a different way, right. How you find this balance between, you know, sharing a little bit about yourself and like, Hey, you know, I, I've been there. I know what this is like. It's a real opportunity for empathy. But, but also, like you said, not make it about you, right? Like mm -hmm. make it about them. Um, so I, I, I just, I hadn't even been thinking about it on that level, but that's such a cool thing to raise in terms of your training and what it might mean to you to be a, a I guess it sounds like a clinical sports psychologist ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly hadn't thought about it either, but it was something about watching their reactions in that moment that I thought about, you know, if you're sitting across from me or not even across from me, whatever, because I like, I like the idea of like walk therapy and like mm -hmm. being out and in your space and, um, you know, whether that's at the field or on the track or because again, I like to ground and visualize, but anyway, um, <laughs> I want you to feel like you can be totally honest. I don't want to, you to feel like you're being judged. Um, I think I, I want to be aware of the innate power dynamics. So collaboration is, you know, something that I will be very passionate about making sure that you feel like you have the autonomy to make the decisions for yourself. You have the answers within yourself. I'm just here to help you find those answers. Um, but I, I want it to be an authentic, um, relationship and not one where I take up all the space. This is your space to take up. And so that that was just um, a moment for me to be mindful of that, if yeah. you will. Like, yes, I have the lived experience and yes, I can totally relate to you and I, where necessary, I will. Um, but I have to be mindful just as I have to be mindful of, you know, cultural differences, biases, all the things. That's another added level, I guess, or whatever <laughs> that I, I have to be, you know, aware of what I'm bringing into our sessions. I feel like we could do a whole, like a whole nother episode, just about, <laughs> like, like, yeah, clinical mental <laughs> health and self-disclosure as a therapist. And, um, I, I, I tend to be a, a more 
self-disclosing therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it, it connected to that authenticity piece, you know, like, again, when appropriate, you know, person by person, but to be able to share with someone about, about a personal experience that you've been through that might help give them an example. I mean, even just what you were sharing with us a bit ago about like the different kind of perspective you brought with you in, in 08 versus 16, like, because I I know so many athletes carry with them this belief that it should be like you described in 2008. If you want to win, you need to be totally focused and ignore everything else and sacrifice everything. And that's just the price of a goal. And then you do all of that and you get to the field and you're emotionally exhausted. (laughs) And you've got this valuable real world experience, but like, no, it can be different. Like I did it both ways, you know, like Mm -hmm. that to me just seems so, so powerful and very much in line, actually, as you were talking about your, your, this kind of identity as a therapist and it, it really made me think of exactly what you said about Liam and that like, I'm, I'm raising this little human being to one day leave me. And that's how you described your approach to therapy. Like I want these, want these athletes to be able to like grow up and leave me, you know, so it's this very like whole Natasha. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I act this way as a parent, as an athlete, as a therapist, like this is me. And I'm just like, that's, I love Thank you for pointing that out. I didn't make that connection, but you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Lots of awareness happening this week for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Something new in every moment, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, is... he, knows we're, he knows we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, you know, this is, I guess, going backward, because I think we're, we're sort of talking about mental health so much in your journey. But how did this become a passion for you? Mm. Where, where did that start? Yeah, I think... Of course, there was like one big moment, but, you know, there's things along the way, you know, my experiences with um, mental health or sports psychologists throughout my career. um, I'm very vocal about, you know, I had experience in college and then in 2012, I met a sports psychologist through my mom um, who I did not, you know, most of you caught on 2008, 2016. What happened to 12? I didn't make 12, but I was introduced to a sports psychologist, Dr. Alan Freeman. And um, we worked from the fall of 2012 to 2013. And that was like the switch in my career. Um, and a lot of the work that we did was just changing how I spoke to myself. You know, I know you go out every day and you work hard. That That's, that's no problem. But what are you telling yourself when you're on the line? And so that I would say is kind of going back to earlier where I kind of got in tuned with like, okay, not only if you're saying these things, you have to believe these things, but now what are you saying quietly? What are you saying to yourself? You know, you can tell people things, you can say these are your goals, but are you telling yourself those things? but then the final nudge actually came. Um, my son's father and I broke up when my son was six months old. Um, not even six months, actually. Um, and my therapist now, who I won't let break up with me. <laughs> um, I was I started therapy. Uh, like, we broke up on a Friday. By Tuesday, I was sitting in her chair, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'd been in therapy for a couple of months. Um, the pandemic came around. Um, and then I have the Natasha Hastings Foundation, um, where we do some um, curriculum around eating disorders, body image, 
um, just, you know, preparing girls in sports for sort of the risk factors that, you know, we're exposed to um, in athletics and just also wanting to keep girls in sports. And I was just sitting there and I was like, man, this is the thing that like, I like how I feel. I like what I'm learning here. I know for a fact I don't want to coach, although I realize this is a lot of like mental coaching. Um, so it's a different type of coaching. But I was like, I think this is what I want to do. And um, so I enrolled in an online program at the time. I enrolled at the uh, Chicago School of Professional Psychology. Um, and then Coach Fry here at South Carolina heard that I was in school and he called me and said, you know, I have a position. It'll pay your t- tuition if you want it. Come on back. And I was like, if it's free, it's for me. So <laughs> here we are. Um, but yeah, it was, it was you know, I, I guess a lot of the journey. Um, but then that final, like, my final situation it's so funny because just a couple of days ago i was just sitting here in my stillness and i said man i would not be here if it wasn't for me being a mom and going through that traumatic experience i mean six months postpartum i was training for the olympics i didn't know what that meant for my career i had a bit of postpartum depression again something that like no one really talks about and i also talk about like being athletes were kind of these superheroes that are untouchable, which is why I'm so grateful for the Naomi's and and Simone's Mm -hmm. that are being vocal about, you know, no, I go through stuff too. Um, But if those things hadn't happened, I don't know that I would be where I am, but I'm so grateful because honestly, I, you know, I'm an athlete, but I am a nerd. (laughs) And so I enjoy my program. Um, I love going to class and even like the new, my, my cohort and my new friends and, you know, this new thing that I'm passionate about. I got my summer grades the other day and I scared Liam because I was like, oh, another 4.0, let's dance. And he was like, what's going on? Um, well, congratulations. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's so weird how like, if you ask me, Three years ago, would this be what I am doing? Probably not. But here I am, and I'm like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I actually swore I would never come back to Columbia, South Carolina. Never. <laughs> and I, the, my program was 23 months, and I was like, I'm on a 23-month plan. I'm going to get my degree, and I'm out. Mm-hmm. Now I'm here, and I'm like, no, this is where you're supposed to be. We might be here a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Man, right? you just you miss so much life when you're not paying attention, you know, but if you can just pay attention, you will be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what each moment can bring. And yeah, I, I think it's so, especially when I think about the, um, it's like the mindfulness literature, these big names out there who are, who are writing about their own mindfulness journeys who have gone, gone on to become, you know, big figures in Buddhism or yoga. And like so many of them, especially Western practitioners, like have mm-hmm. some trauma story that like Mm -hmm. I went through this this terrible personal experience and it like woke me up right and I I needed to like that suffering taught me something and I think Mm -hmm. we're so geared toward like minimizing pain and minimizing suffering and and being happy all the time and it's just that's the perfectionism right and it's so unrealistic Mm -hmm. it's so draining it leaves us so disappointed because we have so much to learn from the hard stuff if we're willing to pay attention to it yeah 
And that's, I was just telling someone the other day, I learned far more from my losses than any of my wins. And the same thing with life. You know, we, we try to push trauma down. Like again, through therapy, I had some traumatic experiences that I totally forgot about. Like, Oh yeah, that did happen to me. Like, Oh wow. And look at how it's still showing up, but I haven't thought about it in probably 20 years. Um, but again, going back to this word of authentic, if we would give ourselves the time and space to feel and process those traumatic experiences and acknowledge those experiences, we get to actually show up as our authentic selves because when this thing is happening, now I'm like, oh, this last week when I had that reaction, this is why I'm having that reaction. Oh, okay. This is showing up for me. What do I need now in this moment? What did I need as that 12-year-old girl that I couldn't get? Yeah. Okay, I need to give myself a hug. Let me give myself a hug. You got this. You got this. But without having that awareness, <laughs> we just kind of shove it away Yeah. and think that, you know, I'm going to throw flowers on it and it's all going to be okay. But you got to give yourself the space to acknowledge that, no, this, I, I feel this yeah what do I need right now yeah so powerful just how how much it sounds like it's benefited you in your life to fail right to 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 suffer a little bit I mean obviously we don't wish anything ill for anybody but but so powerful to hear you say you know I've just learned so much from from those kinds of setbacks because I think so many of us, especially in, in the world of sport, we, we try to, we're terrified of that. We try to avoid that or we're totally motivated by not allowing that to happen. Yeah. And you know, I'm actually, I'm having a very interesting experience right now as we're, as we're speaking, we're talking so much about authenticity and, and learning about suffering. And my heart is like beating out of my chest because I want to, I kind of like want to meet you where you are going. Um, and like sharing what you are sharing with us. Um, Cause um, I guess I, we did a podcast episode about this a few months ago, but my, my daughter died uh, in February. Then um, yeah, it was devastating. Um, it currently still is devastating. And I've learned so much from it. I mean, I wish I could have learned it in a different way, but <laughs> Uh, the gratitude I have now for the things, the people in my life, the sense of contentment I have, like letting go of striving and like really, really understanding that nothing is guaranteed, that nothing is permanent and like helping me see then how, not just how important, like how necessary it is to be here in this moment if you're relying on the next moment you just that's like you said about 2008 you just miss everything you're not going to remember anything like great you got a medal you can hold but like no experiences no life behind it and and yeah it's just these traumas these devastating things in our life we want to say they're just bad and we just want to cover them up and never think about them but but they're not just bad like they're they're complex and multifaceted and they can teach us a lot and they can actually like help us grow in, in ways we never thought possible. Oh, well, I, I honor you for sharing that. I, wow. Wow. 
yeah. But yeah, she right. Still with you. Very she much so. with you. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I'll always have two kids. Yeah. But right, it's like going back to what we were talking about before about self-disclosure. It's like suddenly you share something and then it becomes all about you, you know, uh, which is always the risk when you share something big. But like, that's also, I think, part of having an authentic relationship, like both people are involved. And even as you said, I know not all therapists agree with this, but I really like this kind of like this feminist bent that you were talking about, about collaboration and being aware of power dynamics and like, and not that we can get rid of those as a therapist, that's just the, the nature of the relationship, but to, to be more collaborative and to, to feel like we are on an equal plane and that we're both involved in this process. This isn't just me helping you, right? This is both of us creating something together and like, even though our clients help us in very different ways than we help them. Like that, I think that that relationship needs to be reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm still honored that you even felt, I think that that means that she's here with us, that you felt that you wanted to share that. And I, I'm still like in awe. I mean, February was not that long ago. And yet I can't imagine, but you're here experiencing and feeling and going through. And, and I think, you know, continue, like you say, you share in order to help and, you know, to be here and, and, and continuing to feel and, you know, being able to help others to, I, they're, they're, they're connecting. <laughs> He's back there playing the drums for her. <laughs> Hi, yeah, yeah. Well, I and thank we... you for that. I do. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that's, uh, I mean, one of the reasons I'm, you know, having lost my daughter, like why I was so interested to learn more about your foundation um, and it being so explicitly about like helping young women. Um, yeah. Which is just so, so important, so necessary in this world now. It's just, that's so powerful. Yeah, I, women, and it's so funny that God gave me a boy, but I think it's so incredibly important for women to have a voice and learn to trust that voice and use that voice in whatever way that they are most comfortable with. And, you know, it's another, I, I say me taking a dose of my own medicine because I, I preach to my foundation girls that, you know, we need more of you as journalists. We need more of you as the decision makers. We need more of you. And in fact, the, the part that I left out when I looked for my therapist, I Googled black female therapist in Austin, Texas, because we were living in Austin at the time. We need more of us for us to come and collaborate and make the, de the decisions and be the change and tell our stories how we want them to be told represent ourselves how we want to be represented and it's going to take us filling the spaces um to do those things and so that's why girls will always be <laughs> my passion um is to give girls that there's that that new thing um you know if you have a little girl with a sassy attitude like cherish that and let her <laughs> you know use that voice um and I think it's so true because 
for me personally, I quieted my voice for mm. a very long time. And, <clears throat> you know, I don't believe that, you know, you, you have to be the loudest person in the room per se, but there are many different ways that we can use our voices. And if we just find that way that we're comfortable with using that voice, that makes us that much more powerful and that much of a game changer. Um, so yeah, little girls, I don't know how I got a little boy, although I'm glad I'm a boy mom, <laughs> but that is my mission to empower girls to use their voice, listen to their voices first and foremost, yeah, yeah. but then use them in spaces um, that they can be empowering to others. Well, we, we so appreciate, you know, your authenticity in this discussion and where it went. I mean, it's, it's powerful stuff. And we want to thank your son for sharing his mommy with us yeah. for so long. He, he yes. was great. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not easy. Um, but we wanted to, you know, just in terms of your foundation and, and obviously other work that you do, um, you know, any, any suggestions you can offer our listeners in terms of ways that they can get uh, more information or if they wanted to get involved, if there's any opportunities for that, like if you guys have a website, um, anything you can share would be great. Yes. And thank you for that opportunity. Um, the, the foundation, you can find it at nhfcares.org. Um, we're also on Instagram, bit of transparency with me being in grad school, we are moving a lot slower <laughs> <laughs> because it's just too much, but we're, we're picking things up in the new year. So, um, and we actually helped out a couple of girls, um, that went to high school nationals this summer. So we're proud about the, what the work that we can do in the space. Um, we're looking to get our programming back up those empowerment um, curriculums, um, again, around body image and puberty and sport and some nutrition, um, working to protect our girls from those risk factors um, associated with sport because sport is so empowering, but there is, you know, the other side that we've, we've got to give them the tools to protect them from, you know, the ugly yeah. of it all. Um, and uh, everything else, I mean, if you go to NHF Cares, that's all you need to know. Everything else, you can find me out in the, the social media and all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, Thank it sounds like a great foundation. Um, I'll just you. real quick for anyone who wants to get in touch with us or, or find us in, in our online world, the MSP Institute, uh, we have a website at www.mindfulsportperformance.org. We're also on Facebook. We have an Instagram for our podcast at, at mindful underscore sport underscore podcast. Uh, we also have our YouTube channel. That's a companion to our podcast where we do post our, our exercises that lead our episodes. So Tim's episode from earlier today that Natasha helped inspire um, will be up there when we release this episode. Um, and then if you want to connect with me, Dr. Keith Kaufman on Twitter, my handle is at mindful sport doc. Um, and we are always uh, excited if you're willing to rate or review our podcast or our book, Mindful Sport Performance Enhancement, Mental Training for Athletes and Coaches. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who listened. And thank you so much, Natasha, for, for joining us and, and for your son for sharing you. Um, and we'll, we'll see everyone next time. Bye.